that covers all of the exciting church business stuff. So let's go ahead and jump into our series this morning. And we're in our second week of a series called In. And it is so imperative that we understand and recognize what it means to be in Christ. If you did not get last week's message, this is one of these that things kind of build. You're not going to be totally left out. I recap, but it'll really help you a lot if you get online and listen to last week's message because these kind of one truth kind of expounds on another. And let's just go ahead. Your notes are right there in your bulletin. You can just follow along and fill in the blanks. But one of the first things we have to understand, and we, we launched with this last week, we're going to launch with it again, is understanding our position in Christ completely determines how we interact with God. If we don't understand our position of being in Christ, we're going to interact with God completely the wrong way. If we don't have our, our, our paradigm set up right, because when, with us outside of God, that's where we were. We were, we were out, and we were, we were completely out. We were out of everything that God had for us. And the only way that we're able to enjoy it is by being in Christ. That's the only way you can be, have access to any of it is in Him. There's no way we can access outside of that. It's completely in Christ, and that's what we have to understand. And here on Father's Day then we wanted to just really think about and have it roll around in us who our Heavenly Father is. We want, we want to just recognize who He is and how big He is in our lives. Look there at Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. It says, You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. You know, so many times it's people, and it, and it sounds real humble to say, you know, I'm just a sinner saved by grace which we are. We came and we were sinners, and we were saved by grace. But there is this new birth that takes place, and that's not just this little figure of speech. We were brought into life. And just like when my children were born, they are my children, they are my, my sons and daughters. When we are brought in and with a new birth process, we are children of God, you know? My children don't go around saying, you know, I'm, you know, I'm just a fertilized egg brought in by delivery. You know? No, they don't say that. That's the equivalent of saying, of saying a sinner saved by grace. Yes, that's the process of new life coming about. But who they are are my children. And we have to put that on our lips and understand we're the children of God. That is who we are now. And that has to be our paradigm. If we look at the way we were when we were outside, all we will see is this sinnerness. That's all we will see. And we're looking at it from the outside perspective. But when we are in Christ, we are new creations in Christ Jesus. We are, there are all these things that we are in Christ. When we look at that, we're looking at our Heavenly Father. We're not on the outside looking at somebody we wish we were connected with. We're now in Christ looking at our Heavenly Father. And we interact with Him on a father-child basis. Not on anything else. It is a son basis. This is so, so vital. Because if you don't really understand all that's involved in all of this that's in here, we're going to miss out. Now, I was, when, uh, I was about seven years old. 
Now, in the early 80s, there was the whole urban cowboy thing. Anybody around back in the old urban cowboy thing when, you know, when somehow real cowboys wore, wore Italian boots somehow and, and these jeans that had fancy stitching on them deal and some kind of feathery things on their hats. You know, I don't think real cowboys ever did that. But there's a lot of uh, cowboys that, that, that tried it. And anyways, that was, a, that was a, a big deal when I was about seven years old. And I had... That it was, I loved the rodeo. I loved all the cowboy stuff. That was kind of what was, everybody was wearing. So I had just got a brand new straw hat. I mean, it was an awesome hat. I loved that hat. Well, we had gone to La Mesa to go and see my great-grandparents. They have, had a ginormous farm outside of La Mesa. We went to La Mesa to go and see it. And this was a particular deal. Everybody had come in because they had just recently struck oil on my great-grandfather's land. Now, this particular oil well was, was a very impressive oil well. I was seven. I didn't understand the dynamics at the time. But it was flowing 800 barrels a day. That's not pumping. That's flowing. There was all this gas pressure under it, and it was just, and it was just flowing 800 barrels a day. Now, you take that, and oil closed this last Friday at $77 a barrel. You just run the little middle math. I did it for you. That's $61,000 a day just being shoved up out of the ground. So, and of course, he just got the royalties, which are just meager 25% of that, just $15,000 a day. You know, somebody might could live on that. And, uh, and so we had gone. You know, he had 10 kids and all the, the, my grandmother and my, you know, everybody was there. I mean, it was just this huge thing. So we all went to go see this incredible oil well. Well, the thing's flowing. So when they nailed, when they had put, punched the hole, well, it was flowing and just oil went everywhere. There was just oil and just puddles of it all over the place. I mean, the, the OSHA people would just be screaming today. But that was years ago. And, and uh, so we go out there and I'm, we drive out and we see it. And it's West Texas. It's windy West Texas. And I'm out there in my brand new hat. And we step out. And it just looks like a big nasty mess to me. And then the wind comes along and blows my hat off. My hat flies off and takes off rolling. And I go running after it. And it rolls right through that nasty old crude oil. I was so mad. I, my hat was ruined. It was just they tried to clean it up. You can't clean crude oil off of a straw hat it's just ruined it's just gone and i was like i hate that oil well that oil well is stupid i don't like that it just made it just ruined everything and i had this i really did for a lot of years till i began to mature a little bit and understand the dynamics i just thought that the whole oil well thing was just dumb because it ruined it completely ruined my hat and what i didn't recognize is that 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 all of the benefits that were that were there i didn't recognize that i just saw what i kind of lost in the process i just lost okay i wish i had i was just really liking that and now all of a sudden that's not in my life anymore i didn't recognize all of this that's the movie all right okay all right the a-team sounds like it's pretty good gonna rumbly anyways all right, well, at least I know what it is now. I thought everybody was hungry or something. Like, what is the deal? Nobody fed these dads breakfast. This is wrong. Anyways, but not understanding. 
I was standing there in the middle of what really was all sorts of provision for that part of the family. Everybody was rejoicing. Everybody was excited. And I was too ignorant to see the blessings. So many times we don't understand when we step into Christ all that really is ours. That all many times we'll see that maybe that this Christ, it, it, it got on to my business. And, and now I've, I can't do business the same way anymore. And now I've got to start doing this thing of, called integrity. Man, that, that feels weird. What am I supposed to do about that? Instead of seeing all of the blessing that comes with it. When we're in Christ, there is so, so much that comes with that. We have to understand that we're Christ's children. There's a wonderful Bible teacher by the name of Watchman Nee, and he tells a story about a, a new convert that came to him and was telling him, said, you know, Mr. Nee, I'm, I'm just struggling here. I'm just absolutely struggling here. No matter how much I, I pray or how hard I try or how much I read the Bible, I just, can't, I just can't seem to really serve God. I think I'm losing my salvation. Things are just, things are just messed up here. And... Uh, Watchman Nee simply pointed down. He was there, there, they were there at his home, and he simply pointed down at his dog. He said, you see, the, you see this dog? This is my dog. This dog is a well-trained, obedient dog. It does what I tell it to. It doesn't mess on the carpet. It's a wonderful dog. This dog brings me a lot of pleasure. He said, but in the kitchen, there's a son, a baby son. That son makes all sorts of messes. Gets me up in the middle of the night. Is not is a is a pain a whole lot of the time, but you know which one is going to inherit everything I have. Which one I would give everything for? The son, not the perfect little obedient dog. See, we have to understand that in sonship, when we understand that our position in Christ as sons, it changes the way we see our Father God. It changes it. See, in Christ, God is our Father, and we have benefits of being His children. Now, a lot of people, they, this is a sensitive place with, with Christianity, okay? Because you're like, okay, so are you saying that I ought to serve God because there's so many, it comes with so many benefits? Well, you know, it's not that we go through and, you know, we share with new people. You know, you really ought to receive Christ because on top of this whole, you know, salvation thing... There's all these wonderful benefits. You know, there are all these da-da-da-da-da. And no, that's not the way it is. It's not this sales thing. But there are still these benefits. You just think about the fact of maybe being, being drowning at sea. Maybe you're like uh, the Apostle Paul was there where he was in the water for, for a night and a day. Okay, so you're out there bobbing along. you got your got your life jacket on. You're out there bobbing along. And along comes this, this cruise ship. This big, awesome cruise ship, and it comes alongside, and it's ready to, to lower its winch down and hook up to your vest and bring you up to safety. You're about to, be, you're about to be saved. Now, in that moment, you're just thankful for salvation. You're just thankful that what you, your biggest need was taken care of. You don't say, wait a second, before I get on this boat, what's the, what's the menu at the dining hall? I remember, is the food good? Y'all have fluffy pillows, y'all have those old, old hard pillows. Because I don't know if I want on this boat. I need to know what all that you provide. No, it's the only ship around. It's your only salvation. You take it, you're grateful. But once you're on board, it doesn't negate the fact 
that it is a place that people would pay to be at. That everybody else gave hard-earned money. That the food is good and that the pillows are fluffy and that it's a pleasant place to be. It doesn't negate that. Now, do we come to Christ because of all of the, the blessings and all that He offers? No, we come to God because He loves us and we love Him. And because we are desperately in need of a Savior and He's done so much selflessly to provide us with that. But it doesn't negate the fact that once we're in Christ, there are all sorts of wonderful things that come with that. And to ignore it would be as silly as somebody just hiding in the, in the corner eating crackers on a cruise ship that saved them when everything else was, was available. It makes as much sense. So we want to see all of the, some of the benefits that come with being in Christ. See, Psalms 103.2 says, Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. This is even in the Old Covenant where they say, don't forget it. Praise God and remember. Remember His benefits. But we have to have all of those things like the, like the whole oil thing that I had. We have to have things in proper perspective. We have to look at things in the proper order because we get the wrong things in front and all of a sudden we're not, things aren't going to roll the right way. Everybody's familiar with the sinking of the Titanic back in 1912. Okay, April 14th of 1912 on its maiden voyage, it went down. On that ship, there were over 11 millionaires that were there. Now, back in 1912, a millionaire then, just having $1 million, was like having $20 million today adjusted for inflation. These are people with some deep pockets. There were a, a bunch of them on this ship. One of those was a man named A.H. <coughs> Puchin, who, was a, who had been a, a major in the army. Now, on board, on ship, he had $300,000 of currency, jewelry, and securities in his, in his big posh room that he was in. Now, that would be, again, adjusted, so we get our minds wrapped around it, about $6.5 million dollars worth of stuff that he had on board this ship with him that he was carrying with him to America. Now, when the boat was going down, all that stuff, he left all of that stuff, and it sank with the boat. He was interviewed later and <clears throat> said, why on earth did you not go get some of the jewelry? Get, just why this stuff? This is stuff that can be easily carried. Why did you not do it? And he was, <clears throat> when he answered that question, he said, The money seemed a mockery at the time. I picked up three oranges instead. All of a sudden, with everything that was online, having to be at sea, his life on the line, that securities, you can't eat it. Those jewels, nobody, if somebody had food, they wouldn't have traded you the, 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 all that for their last cracker. All of a sudden, everything was in perspective. Those three oranges were worth a million in today's currency. All the things were in perspective because of the magnitude, because of everything got put back in perspective. See, whenever we look at Ephesians 1, 3, it says, Praise be to the God our Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. When we begin to count our blessings, name them one by one, we have to start right here. 
and start with the spiritual blessings. That which is going to be eternal, that which is going to be last, that which cannot be stolen from us. That's why Jesus tells us don't store up where on this earth where moth and rust can destroy, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Have an eternal perspective. When we have an eternal perspective, all of a sudden we can have all of the other worldly blessings that, that our covenant with God does bring. That we can have a, a, a solid life on this earth. Not with, it doesn't promise without hardship or, or, or trial and stuff. Because Jesus promised in this world you will have trouble. That was Jesus' words. But he says <clears throat> that he has overcome them. We don't have, we, these are troubles that aren't going to, we don't, aren't going to have the victory over us. But they, those things will come, and we have to understand that the spiritual blessings, when we begin to look at our life, that's what keeps everything in perspective. You know what? Having a day or a month or two run together when things don't all fall together correctly, man, I tell you what, and you're having a hard time paying the bills, sometimes that can take your focus off. And it'd be tough. It'd be tough when all of a sudden you have a financial thing but whenever you understand your spiritual blessings first then it doesn't disconnect you from that who is your provider anyways and then you keep the right perspective oh god i thank you lord that you're my father that i am your child that i am yours and no one can snatch me out of your hands that my family has a legacy because of, the, because of what I have trained and taught them, that you've promised that they're going to follow in that way, that I train up a child in the way they go, they're going to go. And all of a sudden, you begin to put all of those spiritual blessings in perspective, and then you begin to realize he's taking care of the big things. Okay, these temporal, smaller things, no problems, no problems. We have to keep everything in Christ. He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing see second corinthians 1 18 through 22 says but as surely as god is faithful our message to you is not yes and no for the son of god jesus christ who was preached among you by me and silas and timothy was not yes and no but in him it has always been yes in christ it's yes all that we were intended to enjoy, the answer in Christ is yes. Because see, and the wonderful thing is the no part goes away. Because the, the, there's, there's always two equations. When you look at the, when you look at the, the, the yes and the no, well, the, the no is going to be the part we don't want. The, there's, God said that he set before us life and death, blessing and cursing. Well, any no... Any no would be the death part. That's what God would say no to. The cursing part, that's what God would say no to. That if we were having to respond, that was what we would have to say no to. But we're in Christ, then all, we're not even entertaining those things. When we're in Christ, it's all yes. It's all yes. It's all stepping forward and growing in him. It mm. Says, for no matter how many promises God has made, no matter how many promises. I love it that he didn't cap it and then say all of them up until now are yes. No matter how many promises. I tell you what, is in your relationship with God, God, the Holy Spirit begin to speak into your heart and begin to make some promises to you. And in Christ, those promises are yes. 
those things are yes. As many promises as God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen. Now we have to back up because that makes no sense to us if we don't understand. Amen means so be it or, or let it happen or, or a super yes. You know, that's what amen is. It's not just this churchy word that was just used there, but it, it, that's what that word means. When somebody says, amen, that means so be it, let it happen, I'm with you. That's what that, that, I'm on board with that. That's what that means. And so it says, and so through him, the so be it is spoken <clears throat> by us to the glory of God. So it is God who makes both, both us and you stand firm in Christ. So many times when we're wavering, it's whenever we begin to get out here and quit and start trying to do it on our own, trying, start trying to figure it out on our own. When we get put ourselves back in that place in Christ, that's where that stand firm is. He anoints us and sets his seal of ownership on us and puts his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Now we're going to quickly, right quick, roll through some of these things that we have, some of these spiritual blessings, okay? There's so many other physical things, so many other promises that we can, that we can get to, but we've got to look at these, these big ones because every, these are watershed things. First off, you have to understand that in Christ we have victory. In Christ we have victory. Ultimately, in Christ, we can't lose. So many times, man, I tell you what, in the middle, it feels like we've lost the battle. But in the long term, when we look at it from heaven's perspective, victory is there. Victory is there. Matthew 12, 18 through 21, it says, Here is my servant whom I have chosen, the one in whom I delight. Remember, we talked about this last week out of Isaiah 42. It says, I will put my spirit on him, and he will proclaim justice to the nation. He will not quarrel or cry out. No one will hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break. <clears throat> now that's an allegory saying that somebody who's barely hanging on, he's not just going to go ahead and say, well, I'm done with that. I'm not going to put up with you and snap him off. A bruised reed he will not break. And a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. That, again, is, a, is an allusion to this thing. Is Man, I, I, my flame is just, it's just, it's not even a flame. It's just a barely glowing ember. God's not going to say, I'm not, whoop, squish you out. No. God protects us in our vulnerable places and leads us till he leads justice to victory. In his name, the nations will put their hope. Matthew is there as he brings in this quote that, and remember, he's writing to the Jewish people and that Jesus and showing them that Jesus is the Messiah. He's this chosen one. That it's in him that all that they've been looking for exists. And then 2 Corinthians 2.14 it says, But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ. And through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. See, he always leads us in triumphal procession always brings us forward in victory. First John 5 tells us, For everyone born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only he who believes in G that Jesus is the Son of God. 
That is our place of victory. It is a place of of standing in faith that Jesus has already taken care of it, that he has brought the victory about. So many times when we're in the thick of it, I tell you what, you, you begin to ask questions and go, well, what do I need to do? What more can I do? What did I do wrong? How did I do? All of these different things. And the truth is, is that victory has always been and always is in Christ. That's where, that is where it exists. Then in Christ, we have freedom from working for salvation. See, this is imperative. This is so big, folks. This is one of these spiritual blessings that's so much bigger. Now, God, uh, we already talked about that God is our provider and provides our needs, and we can look to him for our physical things. But I tell you what, the fact that we don't have to work for our salvation, that in Christ it is ours, I'm telling you, this is massive. Ephesians 2 says, Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even while we were dead Back when we were in the, in the transgressions and we were out of Christ, we were in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith And this is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works. So no one can boast. See, every other religion comes back to this understanding that there is this gap. That there is this gap that that exists between us and God. And that we have to try to work and do better. And we, we recognize that our shortcomings are creating this gap. And so therefore, if we have fewer shortcomings, then the gap is smaller. And maybe we can eventually get this thing done if we can keep breathing oxygen long enough that we can close the gap ourselves. That is works salvation. That's following all these little rules of of dressing all right and speaking all the little right things and doing all the little right things and, and all of this of trying to squish all of our stuff into submission. The thing is, is that we we fall completely short our best efforts don't make it bible tells us that none are righteous not a single one so what did god do he made it available where we could step into everything that he's been looking for all along when we step into christ we step and then we're there all the gaps are filled so you mean the guy over here that, man, he's really got his stuff together and he's just got a couple of gaps, then he's got his gaps filled in Christ. And this guy who don't have nothing together and he recognizes that he's got, that he needs Christ and he steps into Christ, they're both the same in God's eyes? Yes. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Well, then so then, Mr. Preacher Man, then, then why am I here when I could be sleeping in? I showed up. I, I punched my good card this week. I'm at church. Why, why am I here with you? Why am I here doing this? I just plunked some money. I want my money back. Pass that bucket back around. Give me that check. I was trying to make God happy with me. And if it was really your motive, we'll be happy to give you your money back. 
Because that's not, we're not having to earn it. Those gifts should be a free expression of, of God's mercy in our lives, just like God's grace is a free expression of His love into our lives. And so you're like, okay, well, then, then why? Why can't I, can't I just do anything? The beautiful thing is it doesn't stop here. The next thing is, is in Christ we have the power to actually do good works. So there are good, so good works. I knew there was a hitch. I knew you was going to start making me do good stuff, preacher. Yeah, I was really liking that for a second. That I was free from all this having to act nice and be sweet and deal with all the mean people in my life. And, and, and now, <clears throat> I knew there was a hook. I knew there was. That's not the hook you thought. In Christ, we have power to actually do good works. We keep on reading there in Ephesians chapter 2. It says, for we are God's workmanship, okay, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. See, the good works, all of a sudden, again, it's not us. It's him doing it through us. It's again, that's why he keeps getting the glory. We can't boast on either end of this. We can't boast that we work so good that God loves us now, and we can't boast that now that God loves us, we're doing all kinds of good stuff. Because it's not us, it's Him. He is alive in us creating these things. All of a sudden now when we understand that we are free to love without the penalty that if we don't love right, we're going to get smacked, now all of a sudden we can love. You know, there's so many people who, they sit there and they, they never approach that, that hottie across the room, that, that person that got their eye. Because why? They're afraid of the failure part of it. So I'm not even going to try because the negative is, I'm so much more afraid of that than I am the, the possibility that they may actually like me and be hoping that I come over there and talk to them. You see, I experienced that as a boy whenever I was... I was just, I didn't want to do things unless I could do it really well. And I wouldn't even, so many things I wouldn't, I, and I, I would just not even try them. I, I did this for years and years and years. And finally in high school, I figured out that was the dynamic. And I missed out on so much. And finally I didn't care if I did it junky. <laughs> I was going to do it. And, uh, and so I'm going to just jump out there and do it. But I wouldn't even say my own name because I knew I had trouble with it. And so my parents would ask me, say this, and I'd say it, and say that, say chair, say paper, say all these things. And they'd say, say Brandon. I wouldn't say it. And they did a little, finally when I did say it, I said it wrong. And internally, I was going to say it wrong. And I said, Brandon. But once I finally started saying it, then it finally came to the point that it could begin to be corrected. See, we're so far away from perfection we step into perfection in christ it's already covered so now we're free from the having to deal with the failure part so now god can actually coach us where we begin to step into who we're supposed to be all along isn't that awesome that now we can go and we can step out and we can start trying to to love people and then if i was trying to love brandon i'm just oh then i just wasn't very good at it and then i have to come back and go, brandon i'm sorry i was trying to put up with you but i didn't and um, let's start over here, you know, that then that then there's no condemnation in that, that I can then I can then do it. And then as I'm growing in this, 
then I become more and more Christ-like all along. Why? Because there's not this slap that comes if I try and fail. Because it's already taken care of in Christ. So now we can actually do the good works we were supposed to do, but we're so afraid to do it. There's so much freedom when we understand who we are. There is so much freedom. Aha. And then the last one. Thank you all for giving me a happy Father's Day gift of some extra minutes. In Christ, we have peace. And that peace comes from understanding these first three things. We understand that the victory is His. We have it when we're in Him. We're not stuck having to earn His appreciation. That when in Him, that we can actually do these things that are rolling around in us that we feel like we ought to be doing because God put them in us and created us to do it. And we can step out. And if we fumble along the way... It's all right. That's the learning curve. It's okay. He wants us to say Brandon because he believes we will and knows we will eventually say Brandon. And it's okay. He'll listen to Brandon for a while. He'll listen to you pray and not quite correctly. And if you're real frustrated and you drop the F-bomb in prayer, God's not going to fall off his throne. I'm telling you, he would rather you be praying... And you say, God, and he's like, well, you know, okay, let's deal with this. He would rather you that than be afraid that you're not going to pray right and not have a relationship with him. He can deal with the F-bomb in prayer. It's not, ooh, hell and damnation immediately. You cuss to God. If that was the case, I would have gone because I've cussed to God before in prayer. I was so frustrated and didn't know what to do. I'm telling you, when we understand that then we can live this out, then that's where the peace is. He has the victory. We don't have to earn it. We can now step out and do good things. And there's peace in knowing that all that's taken care of. That's the life we have in Christ. Philippians 4, 7, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. Colossians 3.15 says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace, and be thankful. Folks, this week as we're moving forward, let's, let's give our Father God, let's give our Father God a wonderful Father's Day gift and keep Psalms 103 and put it into practice. Let's not forget His benefits. Let's not forget what He sent His Son and He gave us the ultimate gift to have. We're uh, closing up now. We're done. I would like to uh, make a, a quiet moment for anybody here who's needing, 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 anybody here who's 